Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora, nō mai haramai ki te au hurihanga. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World, kō Klekin Cannon tēnei. The Antarctic Heritage Trust has it as their mission to conserve, share and encourage the spirit of exploration. Today, Peregrine Hyde brings us the story about the Trust's most recent expedition and traces the journey of weather observations from Shackleton's time to today. I'm standing in front of too many king penguins to be able to count. There's a southern black-backed gull flying above us. It's whale bones. And I'm painting everything that I can see because it is just so beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen something as jaw-dropping and mesmerising as this right now. So I thought, why not capture it and paint? But the air is so humid with the thickness of the fog that all my paint is running. (laughs) But I think it adds to it. I feel pretty amazing. That was the voice of Charlie Thomas. Charlie and I have just arrived on the shores of one of the world's most remote and spectacular islands, South Georgia in the far reaches of the southern Atlantic Ocean. We're way out in the middle of nowhere, but it's probably one of the most crowded beaches I've ever been on. We're just surrounded by thousands of penguins marching in these neat single-file lines in every direction. Down by the shore, one of these lines has just dashed out from the surf, but right in front of them is an enormous wall of blubbery boulders, southern elephant seals with many newborn pups, all of them really tightly packed together with very little room between them. But the penguins have somewhere to be, so they begin to tiptoe between these lazing giants. The seals are having none of it. It's a truly wild place, but where exactly is it? Spin the globe in your mind until you get to the bottom of South America. Then trace your finger east across the ocean for 2,200 kilometres, and you might just spot a small white island shaped like a fingernail clipping. This is South Georgia, the destination of the Antarctic Heritage Trust's ninth Inspiring Explorers Expedition. Every year, the Antarctic Heritage Trust organises an expedition to connect young people with the spirit of exploration. You can apply to go, and Charlie and I are among the 22 young New Zealanders lucky enough to have been chosen. This expedition is to commemorate the 100th anniversary of Sir Ernest Shackleton's final expedition aboard the Quest. But we travelled in quite a different style. A series of flights got us to the Falkland Islands, where we boarded the ship the Magellan Explorer. And from there it was a further three days sailing, so seven days all up, which sounds like a lot, until you think about what it would have been like in Shackleton's day. The goal of our expedition is for us plucky young explorers to get an absolutely mind-blowing, life-changing experience visiting one of Earth's most wild and beautiful islands. From there we aim to share our experiences and learnings with our communities back in Aotearoa. Inspiration is in the name, and it's a pretty worthy goal, if you ask me. 
Whilst we're there, we're going to be making many landings ashore, visiting vast penguin colonies and seal rookeries, historic sites, including some of the island's many old rusting whaling stations. We're also going to be learning about the early Antarctic explorers, with a focus on Shackleton's various expeditions. Um, but yeah, I was thinking maybe we split into our we outreach teams after this if we have time. So while we're here, we've got these different projects that we're working on. There's a team filming a documentary, while some of us are making educational resources for schools. Charlie and I are part of the arts team working together to create an exhibition of works based on the sights and sounds of South Georgia. There's a team planning to climb a mountain. And then there's the science team, who will be collecting rare weather observations in this remote part of the world. Kelly Davenport is an aviation forecaster at Met Service and is spearheading this project. Met Service created a science project for this expedition and it involves two key projects. One, in that we'll be taking weather observations using historical and modern techniques. The second thing that we are doing is taking ocean temperatures around South Georgia. So... Why would a meteorologist from New Zealand be interested in the weather all the way over in South Georgia? Well, it all has to do with how individual weather observations can feed into the big picture. And for meteorologists like Kelly, this big picture is a global weather model. Global weather models are these complex computer simulations that meteorologists use to predict weather patterns across the planet. They take in a vast array of data points from around the world, including wind speeds and temperatures, just like the kind of data that Kelly has set up to collect. But of course, these models are only really as good as the data that they're built on, and for some of the planet's more remote locations, any data that can be taken is really valuable. Think about it like filling in the blanks in the map of the Earth's weather. Forecasting models take in observations from all over the world. They take land observations, observations from the sea, upper ear observations, so that is like your weather balloon, and then it also takes satellite data. So satellite data is the most recent advancement, and now we can get 10-minute satellite data, which is all fed into the global models. It is really important that we're taking observations from all over the world, especially remote locations like South Georgia. So places like this, they don't have very many observations. So they are really, really impactful in making sure that the global models are running well and we can work out what our climate, what our ocean is doing and how this will affect the weather in the future. Global models actually initialize, so they start from these observations and they apply equations to them to be able to forecast in the future. Taking these observations also honours the legacy of the early Antarctic explorers because many of them made scientific observations on their expeditions to the deep south. Over 100 years ago, Shackleton's Ross Sea Party aboard the Aurora collected an extensive log of the weather conditions they observed, along with when and where they observed it. Peter Fisher is a meteorologist at Met Service. He's also joined us for the journey, and he's brought a fascinating piece of history with him. This really comes back to us finding an amazing document in our archives at Met Service, and it was the actual logbook taken from the Aurora. This logbook 
included all of the weather observations that the expedition team members made on their way down from Melbourne. They were taking readings every four hours, and we thought, wouldn't it be amazing for us to do the same? And what does it read there, Sam? I've got a 4.0. 4.0, you say, with some confidence. And you're absolutely spot on. We had historical weather equipment that we took down to South Georgia, and our team members would analyse the sky and look at the weather instruments to come up with a weather report that was very, very similar to the ways in which Shackleton's team members did it 100 years ago. It's like a 2.6. That's exactly what I would have said as well. On this trip, we took with us a marine screen, which is a modified Stevenson screen, the traditional way, our traditional housing for thermometers. It's louvered so that it protects the thermometers from the wind and also from the shade of the shade it from the sun. Within this box we've got a what's called a dry bulb and a wet bulb thermometer, traditional just a standard thermometer. One of these thermometers has a muslin and a wick that goes down to a, a reservoir and so water is fed up that wick into the muslin uh, surrounding the bulb. As that water evaporates it cools the bulb and reduces the temperature of that thermometer. So when you combine or compare both temperatures from the dry bulb thermometer and the one that's got the muslin around it called the wet bulb thermometer, the difference is an indication of the, um, the moisture or the saturation levels of the air. And we use tables to determine the dew point, uh, the temperature at which you cool the air for saturation to occur, and the relative humidity. So exactly, again, the same way as Shackleton's team would have um, carried those out. So once we had our temperatures, we'd move on to um, the cloud classifications. What type of clouds did we have? How high were they? How much cloud did we have out there? How much of the sky was covered in cloud? And once we had that covered, we would uh, look at the visibility. How far could we see? Was the, clear, was, the eye re- was, the, was the sky really clear? Or was it um, hazy or, or misty or even foggy as it was for two or three days running? Then we'd move into our atmospheric pressure and we'd use a barometer to measure the atmospheric pressure and we'd make some corrections so that we'd end up with what's called a sea level or mean sea level pressure. So while the barometer was more modern than the one that the Shackleton Shackleton team, uh, their crew members would have used, they would have probably used a mercury-based barometer, which we weren't able to travel with. Um, We used still a vintage barometer, so we're still... We're still nodding in the direction of uh, history um, to generate these uh, pressure values. And we shared that job around. So all, all of the team members in our science team had a, had a go at, uh, at making these weather reports, which was fantastic because most of them, even though they knew a few cloud types, some of them knew quite a few cloud types, um, we were able to put that in context and bring it all together so they could use that information and that knowledge to generate a real live weather report that we were comfortable with to the point we could put it into our logbook and it becomes part of our weather history. And that's pretty well it. You've now done a plain language synoptic report. Excellent. Modern forecasting is a game changer. It allows us to make informed decisions, to anticipate weather challenges, and it ensures the well-being of everyone involved. Yeah, big change in pressure is six hectopascals in six hours. It's a luxury Shackleton never had. 
and allows us to blend all that thrill of exploration with a pretty nice assurance of safety. All of this, of course, is thanks to some really significant advances in meteorology. Every day aboard the Magellan Explorer, Kelly and her team load up onto one of the ship's small Zodiac landing vessels to deploy a state-of-the-art floating weather station. This spotter wave boy captures that rare and impactful data which feeds into the global weather models, improving the accuracy of forecasting worldwide. <laughs> I know the feeling. There's just no way around it, isn't it? Really heavy, you know? 50 kilo anchor on the bottom. We had to load this wave boy up that had this big anchor attached. The chain and anchor would have been 20, 30 kgs. Get it on the Zodiac, there were three of us at a time, and boost out and we had to find somewhere that was between 25 and 35 metres of depth. We used a little sonar and we put it into the water to see how deep the water was. So when we put the wave boy up, we put the anchor first followed by the chain and then we had a long plastic tube. Attached we had ocean temperature sensors, one that sat near the bottom of the ocean and the other just below the surface. Attached to that we had the wave boy and this is a really awesome piece of kit. It uses the rocking motion of the waves to be able to work out what way the wind is coming from, how strong, and it takes really high quality wave data. And it also takes pressure. So a lot of the similar things that the historic team, they were looking at. It has solar panels so it can stay out there for as long as it needs. And it has satellite connections. So as we were taking these observations it was able to throw it up and appear on the website which we have all the data now from it. Thanks to Peregrine Hyde who put together this story. He spoke to Kelly Davenport and Peter Fisher of Met Service. This episode was produced by Peregrine Hyde with help from me, Claire Kincannon and Ellen Rikers. Sound engineering was by William Saunders and Tim Watkin is executive producer of podcasts and series at RNZ. Our webpage is at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter and if you've got feedback, drop us an email at ourchangingworld at rnz.co.nz. Te koe i mai. Thanks so much for listening. Ko Clerk and Kananaho. Have a great week. Kia pai. Te wiki. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.